Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Axiom Principle. Tonight, we're going to be discussing uh, some something that's kind of dear to me that is rather annoying looking at the way that society is today. And uh, the focus of this one is why do people value ignorance? The uh, the main focus of this one comes to me uh, in watching uh, debates online or uh, discussing this with other people. Uh, many of you have probably seen the videos of, of Thunderfoot, and, and you watch him how he debunks science, the the claims to science and these claims of new technology and new ideas, which may hold some validity and weight, but not with today's current technology. Um, some of the other things you might see that's a little bit more obvious is uh, the flatter society, for example. Um, anybody that's been on Twitter and discussing uh, anything about ideology will run across these people eventually. There's, there's just no avoidance of it. Even uh, President Obama has called out the flatter society and how stupid they are. But the uh, the focus this this uh, this episode is with the uh, the value it's of ignorance itself and why do we have it and where does it come from? So uh, one thing you you'll first notice is uh, is a lot of people value emotional comfort and uh, it's one of the first things that you'll uh, come across, they, they'd rather discuss and they'd rather feel safe than they'd rather know the truth. So if something is very uncomfortable with uh, what they know and they they tend to, I don't know, avoid it in, in some way, so what will happen is they will ignore what is true um, rather than take it on and adjust their viewpoint because it's very uncomfortable. It, it attacks some of their deeply held beliefs, if you will, which is a big thing that you'll always see, especially in the religious circle. So in this, what, you, what I want to point out, actually, and why this may occur, why do people value ignorance, is, is really a fulfillment of psychological needs. Um, many of you may be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're not, um, basically it's a pillar of needs. Uh, there's five sections to it. And uh, on the bottom of that section is uh, physiological needs. So in other words, uh, the needs that need to be met first for anybody to feel okay, and usually this is our impulse and our drive if you're in a survival situation, if you watch some of those survival shows or if you watch Survivor or Bear Grylls or any of those, the first things that he will do is secure food, secure water, and then shelter. Um, some of the places that you might list them as is, is not just shelter, but warm if you, it's a cold environment or um, air conditioning if it's a warm environment of some sort um, to keep yourself at a temperature that you won't die. And then also rest, a, a safe place to sleep where you won't get eaten at night. So all, you know, all three of these, food, shelter, uh, and water, are the base needs. Once you move past that, the next set of needs is uh, safe and secure. And this is where 
the value of ignorance begins. So one thing you're taught as you're growing up is uh, that in in the end, everybody dies. And that's a scary thing. No one is fond of death normally. If they are, they're um, usually something morbid or uh, maybe another psychological issue that they have that thinks death is cool, as it were. Unless you're gothic, in which case, oh wait, it's emo now or some crap like that. They um, they love death, so they say. In actuality, they probably don't even know what it is. But uh, if uh, if you look at the death, in particular, um, it makes an insecure uh, position in your mind. It makes it so you do not feel safe. You know you're going to die. That's even worse, right? So what happens is you create uh, fictional stories, um, maybe sometimes true stories. It depends on your upbringing, of course. But um, you make these fictional stories up that will secure you in your belief that you're going to be okay all the way through your life and including to to the end of your life. So everything will be okay. You make that security blanket. You make it feel safe. Um, in the hierarchy of needs, that's the second base. So once food, shelter, and clothing are suffice, then when you start thinking a little bit deeper about life, um, your psychological needs of food and safety become paramount. If you don't feel safe and you don't feel secure, you'll do things to make yourself feel safe and secure. So if you're afraid of death, if you're afraid of uh, the unknown, for example, a lot of people are afraid of the unknown, which is a normal impulse. Uh, in evolutionary psychology, they found that the uh, the normal impulse for people is to believe in the supernatural because it provides a uh, security for you. It makes you feel safe. It makes you feel secure for the rest of your life with what's coming up, um, whether you be dead or not, right? And uh, that kind of a built-in emotional fix is is what drives people to believe and value ignorance over facts because the facts of life, um, the fact that you're going to die and there's nothing you can do about it, for example, is not a secure thing. Uh, even in the atheist circles, you'll see them come up with different things that make them feel secure. And sometimes they'll value other things, which um, may or may not actually be true. So one of the things that I've harped on a lot in my my posts, my blog posts, in my um, in my uh, podcast and whatnot, is the the new ideologies. These fulfill a need of security and safety that the other ideologies, if they're atheists now, do not. So they they've come to value. The ignorant position because in their sub-tribal group, in their small-knit group, they feel safe. Their lower-level needs are no longer necessary, so they've moved up to the second tier, which is to be, feel safe and secure. Normally, this means to be safe and secure from uh, predatory attackers, but because of our development in society, we've removed ourselves, essentially, from the food chain. Um, there's still things that can come and kill us. Every once in a while, you'll see like uh, uh, what happened earlier this year with the child being eaten by an alligator, for example. 
um, we still kind of have forgotten that we are on the food chain, whether we like it or not. And if you put yourself in danger, you're going to get eaten. Um, but, you know, even, even with that, the, the idea of safe and secure in our current society is not focused on whether or not something's going to eat you. It's um, a psychological security that we haven't had until um, the development of religions. So that, that need that they fit in that, um, that niche is what has developed into modern-day religions, including the new ones. It, it fulfills the need. Now, the next level um, also feeds into this, so why do people value ignorance? The next level is uh, belongings and needs. Right. So relationship, friends, the, uh, the social aspect of our species is the next tier. So once we've, uh, we've developed a food, shelter, clothing, whatnot, um, then we go to feeling secure emotionally, feeling secure physically. We step into being socially acceptable. So if you've accepted things in the bottom two tiers, um, not necessarily the physiological needs. We're talking about the safety needs. So if you accepted certain beliefs that make you feel safe and secure, for example, if we were to walk down the road of um, the belief in the afterlife, this piece has enabled you to, in, your, in the next tier, to gather around people with like-minded beliefs. So you develop a society or you create relationships with friends that feed into this belief. I was reading a book recently. Um, it took me a long time to read because it's it's a very wide, uh, dry read. But there was a there's a book called Amazing Convergence on the on the atheist side. People that were brought up in a very fundamentalist religious um, circle, usually sometimes uh, in these uh, this thing, some of the people that they grew up with, uh, their father was a pastor, for example, um, and other cases their uh, their family went to church every Sunday or their family was uh, Mennonite or their family was fundamentalist Christian um, I think in one of the instances they actually had a Muslim in there too where their family was it was a very staunch Muslim family and uh, what they found on these people that went to uh, the atheist side they've been grown up in religion and usually you follow whatever your parents have taught you and these people did not. They converted and went just 180 away from religion. And what they found was their value system at the safety needs um, was met. Their belongings and love was met. Like they had really good families. Their, their families weren't divorced or anything like that. There wasn't any trouble at home. So what they found was uh, they, they went to the next level, the esteem needs. And these are the the feelings of accomplishment or the feelings of wonder and awe or feelings of, um, uh, for me, it would be the desire to know things. I'd like to like to know what's real and what's true. These type of needs, if they're um, on the lower tiers and they're met, it works great. But if they're not, then what happens is you change. So in the case of these atheists, since I'm getting back to this book I read, the uh, they moved and migrated from, theism to atheism 
And it was all about logic. It was all about reason. They asked multiple different opinions. They looked at multiple different sources. They looked at the other religions around the world. Um, and from what I've seen, even online conversations, this is absolutely true. What happens is there are more thinking type people than feeling type people. So when you look down the tree, they also aligned themselves to people that were like-minded. So they felt socially acceptable, but they lost in, in the atheist section. They lost uh, a lot of their friends because they ditched religion, because they, were grew, they grew up in a religious society. And one thing that happens a lot in religious societies is they outcast and they outgroup. When, and this is a play on our base needs. If you no longer fit into their niche, they'll kick you out. And in some cases, try to kill you because you don't fit into their niche. So they, they develop this uh, level of ignorance that is also a group-enabled behavior. And then those that go through uh, reason and science and, and the scientific method or uh, change their values, as it were, they, they find that they're, uh, they're now outcasts, but they find a different group and they belong to a different society. And that encroaching um, society is typically found online um, because there's it's a smaller niche group that values thinking versus feeling. So what this actually brings me to in this side story about the, uh, the two niches is uh, the realm of ignorance awfully, or awfully, often relies on emotional behaviors. So also in this book, I read uh, a reoccurring pattern, and actually the authors agreed with this reoccurring pattern before I actually read their conclusion, and that is that the, the base needs, the base beliefs um, for these people, they don't rationalize them. They don't explore, and they don't critique, and they don't um, analyze. Instead, what they do is they feel through their um, problems. Um, in a different context, as far as the uh, Maslow's hierarchy needs, if you want to look at this in a different psychosocial stance, is to look at the MBTI, which is also the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator Test, uh, something I'm overly familiar with as uh, my dissertation actually relied upon it. I, I group people into introvert and extrovert, which is a part of it. Um, there's another section in, in the MBTI, which is called thinking versus feeling. Um, I have not seen this studied yet, but I would be willing to wager based on uh, this book alone, probably, and um, maybe five or six different sources that I've seen so far, that the behaviors that you see in the more religious people, the more people that value this type of ignorant thinking, they believe that they're thinking with reason and logic, but in actuality, they're not. They're feeling through behaviors. They're feeling their way to a conclusion. So one thing I wanted to probably point out um, that has recently come to light that uh, the uh, Amazing Atheist did a video on questions for SJWs. 
and they responded, several of them, questions for anti-SJWs in a, in a very BuzzFeed type manner. And in the video, it was very, uh, some of the questions were condescending, others were not. Um, there was a couple things that I thought was interesting. And the, the thought processes that were behaved or that were demonstrated between the SJWs and the anti-SJWs was really, really the split between a, the thinking versus feeling uh, dichotomies in the uh, MBTI or the Myers-Briggs, the Carl Jung um, type indicators. And the reason why I say this is um, you would see them bring in big words, essentially, talking about marginalized and systematic oppression and blah, 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 the, the things that don't exist in society that they think still do. And, and you would, I, I saw in the responses, it, it started out with a very rational thought, a real, a thinking type behavior. And it finished with an appeal to an emotion and not in the fallacy sense but it, it would ask that you should consider the other people's feelings and emotions on this subject as if they had relevance or value. Um, in a rational thinking mind, a person that thinks with uh, rationality, with reason, that um, is on the thinking side of the scale of the MBTI would not care what your emotions are. In fact, if you, if you watch, say, um, Atheism is Unstoppable, for example, or uh, TJ with The Amazing Atheist, you can tell that they absolutely do not care how you feel or what you feel. Like that is completely irrelevant to their points or conversation. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like anybody else has really caught on to this, so this is the difference between the two. So um, what they do in that side is they think that they're using a rational thought and, and and one of them actually even calls out that it's you claim to be rational people and rely on evidence base, but then why then, uh, if you check his Twitter feed, do you not use that? And and the fact of the matter is is that we're not robots. We're absolutely not um, completely rational thinkers 100% of the time. It does switch between the two. And in in so uh, what you'll see is a, a pattern of behaviors that is more thinking leaning, but then can be used uh, on the feeling side because we're all humans. So that part um, manifests when they, they stop to present an argument. They're no longer presenting an argument, so they just let their emotions roll. And they really don't care what people say either. So on the top of that, they put out whatever they feel like. So one one of the things that I saw in that conversation and the SGW conversation in in the response video or videos I should say because a whole bunch of people responded. Um, and in conversations online with Twitter people in conversations with my own friends. Um, and colleagues, is that this split starts at the bottom two tiers, the belongings of needs and the safety needs. That split right there uh, 
pretty much, depending on how the person was raised, determines one value over truth versus ignorance. And unfortunately, because the majority believe in the Christian God or believe in Muhammad and Allah, um, or even in, in Vishnu, Krishna, uh, Shiva, and so on, um, because they were brought and raised are brought up and raised to believe that these things are true, these things are obvious, and these things are in our universe, and we can prove it. The rational mind will ditch it to the curb, but the fact of the matter is, is that we're not all rational. And this value of ignorance stems from us relying on our emotional needs, our emotional responses, versus uh, thinking our way through them. In fact, if you, if you watch a lot of the responses, what you'll see is people ask to, um, they, they want to be able to uh, respond back and they, they want to do this in a very rational way, but what comes across is a very emotional response based on their own personal view and how important it is to them. Um, I've had several examples in, in very many conversations that I've had online in particular um, with this that I've seen where the value of ignorance starts with the emotional response to their argument. They take it personal. They take it um, as an attack on the person. So people do, in fact, just try to try and switch the gears a little bit. People do, in fact, value reason um, over ignorance. We like to know things. It's just in our nature to be that inquisitive. Unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily mean that we value truth and honesty. We just like to know things. Ignorance means that we may not know something about something that we thought we did. So, in essence, we're claiming knowledge that we don't have. And in favor of it, we'll do whatever we need to do to meet our lower level needs, our safety needs and our, our cultural or steam needs so that we can feel safe in our environment, in our beliefs and not be assaulted or attacked by them. This is why you see a lot of the SJW crowd when we tell them um, the statistics don't match, the facts don't match. What you're claiming is not factually true. There's an issue here that you are ignoring and stuff like that. In the same light that you go with the Christian view, um, God has never done a single thing in this universe. And none of the things that have been claimed in the holy books are actually true. Um, there has been no worldwide flood. If we went to a bottleneck of eight people, our human existence would be extinction. Um, the fossil layer does not match the claims of the of the theists. The even the Muslims try to do this. They they try to claim that things are like the worldwide flood existed and happened, but none of the facts line up to this. So why would they push to claim that their their belief in what is factually incorrect would uh, why would they push for that? Why would they value their ignorance over everything else? 
And, and here's where I'm going to present my theory. Since we're about halfway into the podcast, um, I'm going to present my theory, and then I have a conclusion that I'd like to propose um, that may help alleviate this issue. So the, if, you, if you notice and you talk to the people that believe in some weird, crazy stuff, flat earth, for example, their belief is tied to something deeper. This belief, this value of the ignorant stance that clearly the world is round. In fact, uh, one of my most favorite things to see is somebody saying flat earth people are all over the globe. I'm pretty sure a bunch of people have seen this, this meme and the comment usually right underneath it is say that again more slowly, right? Flat earth society members are all over the globe. It's, globes of sphere way to go so they they value this uh it realm of ignorance and it's very superficial um because it ties to one of their more fundamental beliefs so for example let me show you how uh my root cause analysis goes for for any religion it doesn't matter who they are I usually do this to anybody, and it's probably force of habit. Um, but essentially, here's how it goes. So you got a flat Earth society, claims the Earth is flat. Start talking to them a little bit. Claims the Earth is flat because the Bible tells them so, or that there's – they claim they have evidence first, right? So they'll present um, arguments about camera lenses, about hoaxes, about um, – you can't see the curvature of the earth because you're on flatland or whatever. They've been to the pole and it's all flat. You know, it's kind of craziness. And uh, so they claim these things and really it's, it's not just that. So if you're attacking the superficial, essentially it's like picking at the skin. It's like, uh, so they get a sunburn. They might scrape it off. Maybe they'll abandon that position because they finally realize it's ridiculous, it will not change their value of ignorance. They'll continue to, to care for ignorant things. They, they may even still believe the earth is flat up until their death. Some people are just that stubborn. They may even send these people to the moon and people would say, look, see, it's still flat because they're just that special. So what will change these people? is uh, is not attacking the superficial. The, the thought that the earth is flat, um, if you attack it, what, what happens is it's like, it's like a spider web. So what you've done is wherever the spider web is attached to the end, to a tree, to a leaf or whatever, you've just cut that, but you didn't get to the core. They still got several of the threads on the outside and they got that uh, the spiral in that really just does not get to the core. What you want to do is, is uh, look at the root cause. So in your discussion with the flat earther, you go and talk to him about that for first off and ask him why he chooses believes it. They go over the evidence and you're like, well, these are not real things that you're claiming is true and it's just your perception. So where is your base claim where that says that the earth is flat? They point to the Bible eventually. Almost every single one of them does this. Uh, I've not met a single atheist person 
in this little flat earth cult that values this and says that the uh, the earth is flat because um, geocentrism is a lie and it's thought up by NASA and all this other stupid crap. Usually it's a, it's a religious person. Um, if I'm wrong, I'd love for one of you to hit me up on Twitter, <laughs> Dr. Glenn underscore V. And you know what? Yeah, just uh, tell me how you believe in the flat earth and, and why, along with uh, your scientific evidence. And then also tell me if you're an atheist or not. I, I challenge anybody that's an atheist to definitely present evidence, and uh, I'll, I'll give you the very simple test that was done 1,500 years ago to show that the world is round, that you can still do today with a little bit of math. It's just amazing. Anyways, the uh, the belief itself is just a small piece. The, the further you move in, that you'll find that they'll they'll tout the Bible eventually. And usually right after that, they say that God exists. So now you're getting closer to what the true issue is. It's, it's not flat earth. Flat earth just happens to be one of their value, uh, uh, validating pieces of their values. God is a closer validating piece of their values. You, you dig a little bit deeper in why they believe in God, and it usually comes down to uh, look at the world in awe. Uh, you just believe it because it's true. That it brings me comfort and joy. Or if it fills some other level of safe or love, love and belonging need. You look, go down the tree. So self-actualization in Maslow's Eats, that's the flat earth. That's their claiming God. You go a little bit further down, they love being right. They like being accomplished. So they'll say they got evidence. They'll back things up with their own beliefs. And more often than not, what else you'll see is they have a personal experience with Jesus or something crazy like that. And that fulfills their their esteem that they know they're right because Jesus and God has talked to them. You go a little bit further down, and they belong to a church that also agrees in the same thing. They listen to Ken Ham because that guy is such a genius. They um, listen to Saiten Gate. They listen to, I don't know, any of the other uh, extreme apologists that try to claim these type of ridiculous things. And they value this community that's built around them. And they join in it because everybody in there also believes in God. So there's that communal thing. Go a little bit further down. And back to the book I was talking about. Now, these uh, these people that were studied, there's over 4,000 people. It's a 20-year-old study. It was done in 1995. And um, what they found was the people that converted from atheism, well, relative atheism, all their parents and families typically believed in a God or had some religious upbringing, but it wasn't really like they never went to church. They never talked about it. Um, most of their families were not close. Most of them were... Um, uh, about half were divorced, um, so there was really no athe- uh, atheist upbringing per se. Like like me, for example, um, I grew up atheist. Um, I went to church just to understand what was it about. I never really believed ever. Um, I did go Buddhism for a little while, but it ended up being equally as ridiculous as the more I analyzed it. But uh, with these people that converted from uh, essentially an atheist position to straight up fundamentalist Christian or worse, 
Uh, they did so because of three things. It was usually either depression, something happened in their life, and it pushed them over the edge. And so their uh, safety needs or their belonging and love needs were destroyed, so they needed something to fill that. Um, there was also the loneliness, which also brings you up to esteem needs and belonging needs, the two center ones. Um, a lot of these people were moved to religion because of a community or they went to a church camp or Bible camp, basically. And so it built them up even further. And then the third one, um, usually it was um, depression, loneliness, or trauma was the third one that pushed them over. And the trauma typically was somebody died, um, drugs and alcohol, or other addictive abusive things. It doesn't need to be just drugs and alcohol. It could be anything can be uh, a symptom for addiction or addictive personalities, uh, including porn, including uh, licking stamps, you name it. Like some people have some weird addictive problems. So when you look at these three things, loneliness, depression, and trauma, um, these three things will come out the most and the most boisterous of people. They experienced something that made them go to religion. And so as you further dig down, the, the flat earth believes in God. God is the reason why they believe in these things. They believe in God because something happened to them and they feel the need to replace it. They need something safe. They need something secure. And so that's what this belief that trickles down from the flat earth all the way to their belief in God um, solves for them. And this is why they value ignorance. They have created an anchor, as I call it. This anchor solidifies their position from the ground up. This traumatic event or the depression or loneliness that they faced went away when they started believing in God and believing in flat earth or believed in anything. And these symptoms point to this one traumatic event and essentially at this point, you're talking about therapy for these people. So life tends to throw us nasty things and everybody dies, right? So in my particular case, which is weird from other people, the reason why I'm so analytical and the other reason I cannot initially comprehend even the new religions that come out, the social justice warriors, Black Lives Matter and all that, is they've experienced something that I cannot comprehend. In my own experience, um, when I was eight years old, my dad went to the hospital, and he spent two and a half years in there, came out with somebody else's heart. Essentially, somebody else had to die for my dad to live. And I realized this at 10 years old, right? I've been an atheist my entire life. It was even before this, right? No religious teaching or upbringing. I went to Sunday school. Um, I was even baptized Baptist, but I really didn't believe it. I just went did the community thing because it was fun. I have friends there. And uh, the, the value came later when my, when after this, when I noticed the people that were also in the hospital um, regretted everything they did. They are crying. They were praying. They were hoping for a revival, and not all of them made it. Some of them died. Some of them seem like genuine, nice people, too. I actually talked to a few of them in the ICU, which is something you're, I guess you're not supposed to do. I got in trouble for it a couple of times. But essentially, you, you go and find out that these people had a very emotional 
way of doing things. They went their gut feeling. They always they weren't always successful. They were they were content. They were happy, right? But that value of security and safety was anchored through their beliefs. And God was usually at the root of that. So the reason why people value ignorance, value stupid reasoning, um, even value, like, there's a guy I'm berating and constantly just hounding online about his belief that uh, children have taught us how to suffer because there's children with cancer and they suffer and and then he tried to quote me, well, you need to know what suffer the children means. And I'm like, well, suffering means to be in pain. So, no, I don't need to understand that bullshit. And it also means to send them to Jesus, he told me. I was like, so instead of trying to cure children of cancer, you'd rather kill them, is what you're saying, because Jesus didn't exist or is dead, one of the two. Um, I'm on the didn't exist side of the camp. Um, based on all the research that's been done that has been third-party, non-Christian belief looking, because a lot of the studies that you try to go and look at that show the historicity of Jesus typically are Christian people trying to prove a point, and their methods are flawed. It's really disgusting actual attempts at science. Another thing that demonstrates the value of ignorance, they want to believe it so much that they go out of their way to try to prove it. And essentially... What I'm trying to get at is the reason why people value ignorance is because it fulfills a base need that is is necessary for them to be both emotional and psychologically safe. So in the case of our new ideologies, uh, let's take social justice warriors, for example. They need the right – or right? No, they don't need a right. They need – the feeling that they are correct and that they are being just and they think they're doing what is fair for all. Where they're stemming this from is an emotional response or an emotional view. This is why atheists have joined this view. Because not all atheists are critical thinking and skeptic, as it's put. They, they think in very emotional terms. So the, the value of social justice is the values of trying to make everybody feel safe, secure, and happy. Because they no longer have God as an anchor. So they value other ignorant statements. Instead, things that have been debunked demonstrably over and over again. Um, feminist talking points are typically a good sign. Um, black Lives Matter not valuing actual black life. When the, all they do is protest about cops shooting people when white people get shot twice as much and then they look at their own crime rates and see that they're killing themselves three times the amount almost as any other same demographic. And you wonder yourself, why if you claim that you're atheist and think you're thinking rationally, do you claim these things and value it? And it's because these things keep them feeling safe. They belong to a society that has very good relationships, that has a lot of friends. These people are like-minded. They flock together. They create echo chamber for themselves, unfortunately, in doing so, so they don't expose themselves to other ideas and ideologies. Or if they do, typically what happens is they block you. For example, 
um, I was talking to Steve Shives on Twitter, and I told him he was looking at an Islam book to try and critique. And I, I recommended one that was very critical of Islam and spoke good things about it. He's looking at one to do an atheist read series with it. Um, and he found one where it was a Christian and a Muslim talking about Islam, and then he critiqued it about specifics about Allah and God and whatnot. It was, it was actually pretty decent, considering. But then he defends Muslims, their ideology at the same time, which is cognitive dissidence in the finest example. But in addition to this, and when his views are challenged, he will mute. Actually, not mute. He will block you. Um, I earned a block by telling him that he should try this book. At least I think that's what it was, because right after I was talking to him, all of a sudden I was blocked. I learned later that he was doing a uh, block bot that would go through and just block anybody that happens to follow these other people, which I do. Sucks to be him, I guess. He, he really wants to live in his echo chamber. But that also puts into his hierarchy of needs. He's got friends on this side. He feels secure and safe in his beliefs because everybody else is feeding on the same points. He doesn't challenge them to see if they're true. So he values the ignorance of his position because it makes him feel safe and secure. So what can we do to change the value away from ignorance and into truth? Why? How can we make people value truth? That question is a very challenging one that needs to be addressed in multiple ways. In, in my alternative, uh, one of the ones I'd like to put forth first, is we need to replace that anchor. The anchor that makes them feel safe and secure, the one that's the base of their beliefs and their their love of uh, whatever they believe in, God, in, in the wage gap, or, you know, women's supremacy, whatever. Um, those core top-level beliefs drill down to a safer security blanket that they feel needs to be addressed. And then in our approach, we need to replace that anchor, that value of ignorance. Whatever that anchor is, we need to find the root cause, essentially, of their belief system. Replace it with something that is based on truth. So, in the case of the major converted, the ones that left from uber-religious families, went to church every Sunday, and went straight atheist after that, and actually haven't even told their parents in some cases, those people have demonstrated to all of us what is needed for us to convert and change the culture from valuing ignorance to valuing truth. The important piece that we need to replace is that, that lower level need. Our physiological needs are set. We're good, right? Unless you're a bum on the street, you're pretty much okay. And even those people on the street actually do pretty well considering some of them are actually just con artists, the ones that actually really have issues. Um, they get the help they need for the most part if they go and get it because there's pl plenty of free services out there that are just directed toward. So moving up the chain to the safety and security needs, we need to find out what piece, what level, if it's security and safety or if it's belonging and love, 
And that piece needs to be replaced with something that is true. In the case of Steve Chai's, it's been, it's been uh, guessed that his wife is the one that's convinced him that everything is sexist and that feminism is the way to go and uh, the deck stacked against women, that type of thing, which is true in Muslim countries. Unfortunately, they, they also side with Islam. So it's kind of like, let me slap you across the face while you're being stupid. But if you look at him as an example, his anchor, if it's his wife, what are you going to do? I mean, the only thing that would change his mind is if he no longer loved his wife. I don't think that's going to happen. She she seems to be. I mean, there's only been a couple of videos that I've ever actually seen her in that he did stuff with. She seems to be fairly nice, just holds some really whacked out views, right, with the feminism. So getting to his lower level, his security and his safety blanket – Maybe he was lonely for a very long time, and now that he's found her and has these views, he's adjusted himself to fit with her so that he can stay. That happens a lot. In fact, if you look at other instances where um, the amazing conversions, the ones that went to religion, a lot of them started dating somebody who was also religious, and they followed that person into their faith. That happens a lot. So it's a compulsion to feel accepted and loved, they will change themselves to also feel compelled to, to be loved and whatnot. And it's not necessarily a weakness. It's just that's human behavior. That's what we do to try and feel loved. If we find somebody we truly find awe-inspiring, what will happen is we often change our perceptions to fit with that person. And so we'll change ourselves. That's, that's normal human behavior. It's not always good. It's not always bad, though, either. Um, so finding that anchor is very challenging. The, the, if it's a love thing, like if it's a relationship, um, you could cut your losses unless you're a real friend with them. Um, chances are they won't change unless they leave that person. Or if they do, um, it's because they're having issues with that person. But if you go toward the other ones that have felt loss or trauma, a depression or trauma, excuse me, not just loss, like death, um, if you take a look at what their their pieces are that make them feel insecure and make them feel emotionally vulnerable, those are the pieces that you need to replace with something that's based on truth. How about you do that? Well, there's, there's a few methods out there. Um, debate and public speaking are usually the ones that get you got two people that totally disagree and they talk to each other and they, they don't actually ever change each other's minds. But what happens is the audience that was listening either picks up on something and changes their minds toward one side or the other, or they find something in there that makes them look at other things that they then research and then go for one side or the other. And research does not necessarily mean that they're using the scientific method if they, if they research it and they go ask people and they go kind of follow their gut, as it were, into a religious value, then they do that. If it's somebody that goes in and just analyzes it and looks for flaws and critiques it and finds the fallacies and, you know, drives down the logical chain of events 
and they completely disagree and go to the other side. Like if it was a Christian versus atheist debate, so that person would have atheist. The other ones that felt things and went with their gut and that feels like it's true, they would end up Christian, possibly. Um, there's that method, but that's not an effective method to change the value of ignorance. It may work on a broader scale. It may get a lot of people. But the one, the, the piece that works the best that mo most people don't do is the one-on-one. -on -one. So far, there's only one method that I've seen. Anthony Manabosco is um, probably one of the best out there that does it. Um, at least one that does YouTube videos, and his YouTube videos are just amazing. Um, in talking with him a few times, um, his approach is one that almost feels like therapy. And I have to agree with him. I actually was looking at his stuff and going along the lines that I, I kind of do the same thing with the people that I know on face-to-face. -face. I don't actually go out to campuses and just kind of canvas and say, talk to an atheist type thing, um, mainly because I don't have the time for that. But he, uh, he goes out there and he discusses with people and he just reasons with them. And in doing so, what we do is we trigger a non-emotional response. And in the conversation, he uses street epistemology as his primary method. In, in this, what you do is you, if, you're, if you're talking to them, you don't actually just go through and answer the questions and tell them, well, the, you know, the facts say otherwise, or the statistical analysis of X means that you're full of crap. Um, for example, there's a, there's a blog post that I did about the uh, black crime statistics, and I went up and pulled just violent crime, and it was clear that white people do more crime Overall, like 66% of crime is, is whites and like 30% is blacks or something like that. And then you split out the other minorities and it's like 2% and 1%. But then you look at the, the crime compared to their own demographics. So there's 12 million people that are black and 4% of that population commits crime. Whereas in the white community, it's our community. We don't have a community. What am I saying? In the white demographic, um, you see it's 2%. So there's a 2% increase, which is statistically significant to say that black people commit more crime in their, amongst their own community versus the white people, like by 2%. But overall, it's 2% of the entire population. So we're really talking about a very insignificant amount of people that are just stupid and commit crime in, in any demographic. So, you know, 2% of 314 million people it's still a lot of people but on the flip side it's it's not as damaging as people make it um but even in in those type of things where they value that thing we got to find the anchor that that uh brings them to believe for example that you know presenting the facts ain't gonna work and and so we got to make them question their own belief that's the that's the catch and, and SE seems to be the most effective method for one-on-one. -on -one. Make them go through the Socratic reasoning. Um, make them use epistemology in particular. One of the things I'm going to do in, in one of my next podcasts is, is a critique of the different types of philosophy, which ones are the best for discovering truth versus not. Um, it's one I've also been working on as far as a blog post is concerned. Um, and I'm also trying to figure out how I'm going to enter into the YouTube world because I just want to get louder. But the approach, uh, getting back to my point, 
the um, the piece that we need to do, at least you can try street epistemology. Maybe you have a different type of uh, more psychological method that kind of is like manipulative. For example, um, in my doctorate, I study how to manipulate people into doing things that I want them to, essentially. And it's also about management, <laughs> which is, is a ball of wax on their own. You get a group of people to do exactly what you want them to. So in manipulating people, there is a way to do it, but so long as you're you're not aspiring to lead them down a dark path of crime and you know whatever, um, it, it, so long as your intentions are pure, then you should be able to um, lead these people to value truth versus ignorance, and that's the thing we have to change. So you got to find the anchor point that has a position there where they believe something because of something that happened to them. So say they're a depressed person because a lot of crap happened in their life. Maybe they're drugs and alcohol. And so what changed their mind and, and cleaned up their nature was that belief in God. So if they need that to no longer be addicted to drugs and alcohol, how are you going to change them to believe that God does not exist? Because in their mind, if they ditch it, if they ditch God, for, you know, the correct position, which is there is no God, or there is no specific God, I should say, because there could be a God. But specific God, such as the Christian God, does not exist, because probability is zero, thanks to descriptions in the own Bible. It, to get that type of thought, what I just said, with the there is no specific God, the Christian God does not exist because of things that are not in the Bible are been proven that he supposedly did are not true. To get them to believe that truth, when God was the thing that got them off of drugs, alcohol, maybe they did sexual abuse or whatever. How or what would you replace that with? Because not only does that prevent them from doing stupid things because they think they need it. On the lower hierarchy of needs, their safety and security, you're ripping off their security blanket, right? Have you ever ripped apart the security blanket from a screaming child or from a, from a two-year-old, three-year-old? Go ahead and try it. See what happens. I can guarantee you you're going to be giving that blanket back because they'll stop crying. In the case of many of the theists that we talk to, and, and interestingly enough, you'll see the, the case where the other theists that we talk to that have converted takes them a very long time to change that. And the reason being is because that security blanket, that anchor point that we're attacking and that we're addressing, that we're making them think about, fulfilled a need, and we're asking them to ditch that need. So... In conclusion, there there's several approaches that you can do, but the, the most key value thing is, is we, we should not devalue people as we go forward with this, with, with trying to replace a value of ignorance with a value of truth. The, the thing we need to address and, and push forward in a societal level and most importantly on an individual level is that just because things happen, you, turning to these crazy beliefs, because they're, they feel secure, helps you in the long run in some cases, helps you in the short run for some cases. 
But ultimately what happens is because they value this one thing, because it fit this need, because it gave them security, it spreads to all their other views, which demonstrates how they value ignorance because of a core belief. That core belief, that anchor, is the thing we need to change that is a non-truth, that is a falsehood. We have to change it to a truth simultaneously giving them a newer, cleaner, and more accurately sized security blanket. So say they're two and now went 15. They still have a security blanket of when they were two. That thing no longer fits them. We need to replace that security blanket they had when they were two with the new blanket that is based on truth for the age that they are for when they can reason. So, um, that is essentially all I had for today, for this this uh, this segment, this episode. I saw that one person called in. I thank you for your call. Um, typically, I, I don't answer the phone, as it were, because um, I don't I don't screen my calls. So it's more me just talking and nonstop. I do plan on changing the format a little bit. I'm going to have a little bit, few more other guests come online. I, I've reached out to a couple people. Um, discuss to discuss, I should say, um, some of the new talking points that I have coming up. Uh, if you want to look at what I'm going to be talking about the next next week or the week after, um, I typically update my blog, lenvickersdm.com, with the most recent um, probable podcast. Now, if you read on the blog, you would see the things that I addressed in that particular thing was uh, scientific literacy. I kind of focused on the differences between um, qualitative, quantitative, and um, mixed method research, why disproving the null is kind of scientific and illiterate. You don't disprove it. You either reject it or accept it, right? Um, Actually, one of the people that's online caught that and showed that, you know, I I did not put that in there, even though, you know, it's an actual statement. It's the way you do it. And they're like, oh, you didn't put that in there. And I go and read the whole thing. I'm like, holy crap, no, I didn't. So I updated it. So if you happen to follow me on Twitter, um, or if you have any critique to um, anything I do, I'm willing to reason, open, and change my mind. And that is the focus that I think everybody else needs to have, too. We need to be able to step through, find the anchor point, and that anchor point should be easily changed if you're a rational and reasonable person. If you go through with a feeling approach to your, your belief system, what will happen is you'll put whatever makes you feel safe and secure because your emotions are your more valuable thing than your intellect or your reason. And what happens there is if it's a not a truthful statement, it's not a truthful thing, it becomes a value that triggers a whole bunch of other things that just builds on top of each other, and then you've created yourself an entire belief system all on your own that protects your security blanket from harm, your safety and security point. So I thank you for joining. The, the show is about over. Uh, if you have any questions or you want anything to be seen on my next podcast, please uh, contact me through my website, glenvickersdm.com. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, 
always open to any conversations online and uh, my next episode, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'm going to have a, a new talker that you might like. All right. This is the after show. Um, I've been doing this a little while just to kind of, you know, give a little flavor for those that actually download the podcast because, you know, you listen to an hour show and you're like, Oh, I could have listened to it live and it's kind of garbage. So in this case, um, my next, my next talking point, I actually had a couple people I was going to try and bring online. I'm working on a project with, uh, several major atheists that I think you'll, you'll know and enjoy. I'm going to try and bring one on my show and we're going to have a little discussion. Should be fun. Um, I'm trying to get uh, two bigger special guests on my show that uh, hopefully will draw a lot of attention for me and, and everybody will enjoy in, in our discussion. Um, but yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to leave with, since this is the uh, after show, when, you, when you're discussing with a theist, this uh, belief, even if it's not a theist, it's SJW, Black Lives Matter movement, whoever, they have an anchor point that keeps them safe and secure. You, you need to approach that with care. I know we're all rational thinkers on my side of the fence, that we always think in a thinking method that we approach everything logically, rationally, and we analyze and we critique and everything is very scientific. It's very, uh, what's the word? Very logical, right? When you approach this stuff, please consider that they do not think like you do. So when you rationalize to somebody that's a thinker, they will probably agree with you. They might change their minds. Who knows? You know, they think like you do, so it's a little bit more easy to do and it's articulate. But if you approach a feeler, a thinker versus feeler, MBTI, they do not think like you do. They go with their gut emotion. They go with what feels good. They go with what feels right. So even though you know through analysis that you're right, you've done, say, you've done your own epistemology toward what you believe and you've come to a logical, reasonable decision um, toward God, for example, that just everything that's claimed in the Bible is bullshit. So therefore, there is no God, right? It's a very rational approach to things. They don't believe that because they feel that this is correct. They feel that uh, the messages in the Bible are true and that's, you know, God's word and so on and so forth. Because they feel it, it's, it's feeling an emotional need. And that's something that we thinkers need to address, analyze, and not just rationalize, but be cognizant of, that we lack that type of opinion. And so we want to that, then have these people that feel their way through things transition to thinking their way through things, the more rational thought. And and doing that requires a, a level set of um, type change. And just think of it this way. If you're extroverted, you're really good at talking out in places. You, you can do presentations. You can talk to anybody. It don't matter. You're very social, right? Think about the person that's like in the corner that hangs out at the bar, only talks to two or three people, is very introverted, keeps to themselves, Right. You're asking the person that keeps to themselves, that isn't very social, that likes to think, doesn't, you know, keeps a few close good friends to all of a sudden be the limelight, the social person, the person that everybody likes and it's like total center of attention, right? You're asking that 
of somebody that's thinking versus feeling. We think and rationalize through everything. They feel their way through things. You're asking them to think their way through things. It may seem like that transition's a little bit easier, but essentially you're asking for them to change their base personality. So I wanted to leave you with that and just think about that for a little bit, that um, you're really asking them to think through things they might not be able to, so maybe you need to have them feel their way through things in a way that replaces their false belief with a truthhood. That's all I got. Um, I hope you enjoyed my show. I'm actually off to go join the raid on Destiny. Um, I'm on the Xbox version if you ever want to look me up. Zergbait is where I'm at. I'm um, pretty sure you can find me. If not, uh, good luck. <laughs> and uh, May the odds ever be in your favor. Thank you.